This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center. Family owned and operated. A no pressure laid back atmosphere and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, you guys. I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. He has some mild symptoms. Those are things that our doctors look at. Each kid's a little bit different of how they react, and we've had guys back within three or four days, and we've had guys out for 27 days, you know. He's kind of a wait-and-see, to be honest with you. So you knew after Saturday, one of the main questions Sam Pittman was going to be asked this week was about K.J. Jefferson, and I wonder the game plan for Mississippi State if he's a no-go. That's the number one question you're probably thinking about leading in to heading to Starkville. How to avoid a third straight loss for the Arkansas Razorbacks. You go with Ford and Hornsby. You share more of the load. How do they go about changes in the game plan? Tommy, that's where we'll start here on a Toyota Tuesday. And we are going behind enemy lines this week, headed to Stark Vegas. Our coverage in Starkville presented by Mock Legal Solutions, a law firm offering reasonably priced uh, uh, legal services. And in most cases, hourly billing uh, there is no hourly billing and know exactly what you're going to pay because you'll never pay for emails, text, and calls as well. That's mock legal solutions, real advice at a reasonable price. And that, yeah, that's obviously the focus is KJ Jefferson. Will he go? How much of this is, you know, truly a concussion protocol? And they didn't use those words yesterday. In fact, Sam was clear to say, I didn't say that. And then when asked specifically, and it's a good question, is he in concussion protocol? Versus, you know, is this just some gamesmanship with um, with Mississippi State? I'd like to think that that's really not where they're going. You're not using someone's health as gamesmanship, but it's, it's football. 
I went back and watched just kind of that sequence last night to really understand the the level of contact. I I, I don't know enough about you know whether a, a slight hit and the way his head hit the ground really could produce a severe concussion. How do you know? But I mean, at least from the untrained eye, which is ours, you can say, well, hell, that that wasn't on a scale of one to ten. That wasn't anywhere probably near a five or a six from what we see in a in a routine play, but. How do you judge that as as knowing what he's going to be able to do Saturday? So at least maybe you can feel a little more comfortable about a quicker return, possibly, just based on going back and watching the play. And there was the, the Tutungavaloa throwdown, and that was pretty severe in how it looked on TV. I just never know because sometimes it doesn't look like a play looks that bad and it affects a player a lot more than – than the other guy. I, I, I'm I not one to diagnose or make a, a thought process on a, he has a concussion, it's a mild concussion, it's a severe concussion, he doesn't have a concussion at all. I just know this is going to be something that I know Mike Leach and his staff are wondering about, Sam Pittman and his staff are wondering about, and hopefully regardless of if it's a concussion or not, KJ is okay. I've had two in my life that are not fun to deal with, and uh, some, the repercussions are more than others. It just yeah. varies on... The individual themselves. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's just uh, no way to, to look at the play and say, hey, that, that is or that isn't. I mean, there's some that you can look at and say, well, there, that's a problem. But that it, would you agree that wasn't the kind of play you had? But that doesn't, I guess, tell you anything. So I guess I'm trying to find a, a rainbow over that cloud <laughs> somewhere that, hey, he's going to be fine for this week. Well, so. you, you hope he would be because Arkansas has a much better chance. I know KJ has not played his two best outings since he's been in a Razorback uniform these last two weeks, but you need him in Starkville to to get a win or feel more confident that you have a chance in this football game because you're kind of looking at the, the barrel of a gun right now of going 0-3 in your last three games, and this is not going to be easy. Mississippi State just rocked. Texas A&M, and they're get, they get after the quarterback. So I know KJ or Cade or Malik, whoever's in there, is going to be under pressure as long as they don't get blocked up. And, I mean, it's just not going to be an easy test, even though it's 11 a.m. I know Coach Pittman was kind of joking about, I'm glad it's 11 a.m. rather than having to play later in the night. This is not going to be an easy test for the Razorbacks on Saturday. Well, there's no joking about playing at 11 versus 6 or sometime after dark down there. It just... It's like any other stadium. It just gets noisier, and it just gets louder, and those cowbells uh, just seem to amplify a little bit more. So, you know, 11 a.m. games, you know, traditionally have helped the road team maybe close the gap a little bit, but this is a good Mississippi State team. That's where you begin. Is you got a team with a really good quarterback, pretty good defense, and uh, this is not going to be a, an easy challenge no matter what time of the day they play. 877-377-6963 is our number to call or text in this morning. Let's go to Dixie Lynn in Pocahontas. Go ahead, Dixie Lynn. Hey, good morning. I disagree with this Mississippi State analysis. Uh, I saw them at the Liberty Bowl on the 50-yard line on the Texas Tech side. Now, their quarterback is extremely good, and he should be a Heisman candidate. But they're still beatable. Well, yeah, I don't think Tommy or I said this morning, Dixie Lynn, that they aren't beatable, but you're going to their house. You're going against the guy in Will Rogers who's playing his best ball since he has been in his career. And he is probably wanting a little revenge after what happened last year. He felt like he led the, the Bulldogs down to a what could have forced an overtime situation. And the guy, his his teammate, I, I'm forgetting the kicker's name, missed another field goal. I think they even substituted him at that point. But that is something that I think he wants to 
to to get. And I th- I still think that for for Mississippi State, they feel like that they can contend for an SEC West title, and they already have a loss on the season earlier this year. Who they lose? They're following LSU. LSU earlier this year. That was in Baton Rouge. But that is a that's a football team that's playing with a lot of confidence right now. I'm not saying they're unbeatable. Just saying it's gonna not gonna be an no. easy game. No, and Dixie Lynn, that's a great call, and I think that's the first time we've heard from you. So thank you for calling. Starkville's just a sneaky tough place to play. I mean, we think about the toughest venues, and we we point to Baton Rouge, we point to Tuscaloosa, we we point to Athens. Now we we look at Knoxville, but I'm gonna tell you, Starkville's a hard place to go win, and. Um, this season, and, and most Razorback seasons, are defined about can you at least split with the Mississippi schools. This is an important game. I mean, if you want to get you know, to, to where you'd like to be in the bullpecking order and just, hey, win eight or nine games this, this season, this is almost a must-win from, from that standpoint. You've, you've, you've dealt your two cards out that came up with L's on it already. I mean, it just becomes a math equation. You can't lose too many more games. You only lose two more and get to eight. So, I mean, this is an important game for a lot of reasons. you got a tough BYU game on the back of this. you got to find a way to, at a minimum, split these two road games, and you'd like to have this conference win that counts for a little bit more. Yeah, that's an SEC West, and particularly on the SEC West side of things, the division that would help you just kind of have more of a, a case when it comes to you responding after these two straight losses. In this stretch, we knew looking at it ahead of the season when you played Texas A&M in Arlington, Alabama at home, going to Starkville and then going to BYU before your bye. We knew it was going to be a difficult stretch. And the last thing Arkansas needs to do is go 0-4 in that stretch. You're 0-2 at this point. You feel like you should have beaten Texas A&M. Now you'd love to get a road win, which would mean a lot. And Sam Pittman, at that point, you'd be 3-0 and against Mike Leach if you're Coach Pittman. Yeah, and uh, you know more than anything, you need to get some things settled with your defense. And uh, this is going to be a tough challenge from that standpoint because Will Rogers is a very accurate quarterback, good one of the – the better quarterbacks in this league that probably hadn't been talked about a lot heading into the year or even to this point. But uh, this is not going to be a, an easy challenge because Mike Leach is going to have a game plan. His, his his play card may only be about an index card, but they find a way to give you different looks, run about the same six plays. It's kind of his M.O. and just, just death by a thousand cuts. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit make sure to use the promo code believe to receive your rewards that's b-l-e-a-v bet online where the game starts first western bank we are more than just a bank we are your partner for all your financial services first western has real professionals with years of experience in banking mortgage insurance and investments from financial services to personal and business insurance to investment products mortgages and small business banking First Western with locations throughout Northwest Arkansas and the River Valley and online at firstwestern.com. Exceptional financial services all in one place. First Western Bank. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. 
Brandon texted and he says the depth chart is dead to him. I guess he is not a, a fan of the depth chart and why well, you should listen like. here. Perception. JT Hot Springs asking, could we possibly see a two quarterback system if KJ can't go? I tend to believe that if that is the case, JT, then a hundred percent. I think you'll see Malik in some situations. They'll have the packages designated for him at the quarterback position. Cade Fortin will start, play the duration of the game. But yeah, I tend to think that could be how it shakes out on Saturday if KJ can't go. So if Malik comes in, what are they going to do? You're talking about a, what the defense is going to do or what Kendall Bryles no, what, and what, yeah, what, What's call? the offense going to do if Malik's in there? I assume run the football. I assume. That's all they can. I mean, until Malik shows you the ability to be a – effective passer to some limited degree that's the problem it's he can't throw the football apparently we've seen no evidence of it so the you know the biggest issue is you could just go ahead and bring all 11 in the box because there's there's very limited chance that he's going to throw the football so that makes it a challenge having him at quarterback until proven otherwise i mean there's no evidence otherwise that that he's going to be able to have any kind of a balanced offense for you but that you still don't th- – would you still anticipate that Bryles would pull him in there? Because I agree 100% with what you said, but he's still going to play on Saturday, I would what, think. What's the – I mean, it's almost like we have this – it's not just you, but I mean, I just hear – we get texts and calls. It's like there's some kind of um, – I'm searching for the right word. Affection isn't the right word I'm looking for, but it's like the fan base is – uh, or there's a, a portion of it that feels like there's some kind of requirement that Hornsby gets X number of snaps in every game, KJ or no KJ. I mean, I I, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm I'm struggling to find that connection or the or, or why people feel the way they do about it. I think they when we've seen no evidence of hey, this can lead you to something. I think they feel that way because he's the fastest. He's been described as the fastest player on the team, and they feel that he hasn't been properly used. Whether you think that's the case or not, that is what the. And I'm not advocating that's what should happen. I'm telling you that I think that's going to happen. If KJ can't go. We're going to see Malik featured in some place at quarterback and maybe even at wide receiver too, depending on the status of Warren Thompson, who didn't play last week. Yeah, that's 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 another question right there. But if how much if KJ can't go, how much of that's just on Fortin? If Fortin plays well and he's in a rhythm, you know, I don't know that you know. Do you do you insert Hornsby into that and I would disrupt hope not. that? You don't want to disrupt that. Yeah, I mean, we saw this in the A and M game that disrupt what. Proved to be a disruption in the end to the offensive flow. So now here's the question: Where are you at as an offense if Fortin comes in and the moment's too big for him, he can't run the offense when 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 it's all on the line? What happens then? I mean, Hornsby's got to be your guy. So what becomes of the offense at that point? Run, 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 run. <laughs> I mean, work in the SEC. I mean, it didn't lie. I mean, Pittman just said last week. After the Alabama game, we're becoming too one-dimensional. And I know Alabama is probably the best defense that you'll play all season. That being said, you can't go into Starkville with just the ability to run the football, which you've shown every single team this season that you can run the football at times. But you have to be able to pass it, too. And they have not been consistent enough in that area. I don't know if Cade's insertion, if he does play on Saturday, changes that dynamic. And I don't know if some other wide receivers make some plays. What we do know is that Mike Leach, I'm forgetting his defensive coordinator, but he is 
He is not at all afraid to come after the quarterback this year. They are going to blitz and blitz a lot. So Ford's going to have some one-on-one matchups. It's just a matter of if him and the wide receivers can be on the same page and take advantage of it. Again, this is under the assumption, which we don't know one way or another, if KJ cannot play, then Forden's going to have to take advantage of those one-on-one matchups. Zach Arnett's their uh, defensive coordinator. I think they're going to put pressure. I mean, particularly if KJ's not out there. Now, I mean, I don't know what percentage to put on this. I mean, I'm hopeful that he's going to play, but that's maybe just me trying to find the rainbow in what seems to be a darker conversation with clouds hanging over it about KJ. Because I just don't think you can win the game. I don't think you can be competitive without KJ Jefferson. That's just how I feel about it. I think it's a a doomsday scenario for Arkansas. But, you know, I think what you will see is a complete shift in the offense if if Fortin has to be the starter because it it will become become a much more pass-heavy offense versus what we've seen with K.J. Jefferson. It'll be kind of the opposite of Bama this past weekend. So Bryce Young goes out, they're pass-heavy, and Milrow, they insert Jalen Milrow, who only threw the ball eight or nine times in that game, and they just ran it with him and and Gibbs and – McClellan and the rest of those guys. The Not to say that Arkansas wouldn't run the football if Fordon plays on Saturday, but I would guess that you're going to see more passes. We talked about KJ being in that 20-30 range. I don't know if Fordon would get to that 30-40 range, but I would expect him to probably eclipse what KJ's passes per game average has oh, yeah. been, which I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Oh, probably just around 20, you know, somewhere around there. Upper teens has probably been his average. I didn't print the season stats, but I bet his average through these five games is probably, I bet he's somewhere around 100, maybe a few more attempts than that for the year uh, would be my guess without looking. But uh, yeah, yeah, I would. Exa- you're exactly right. I would expect Fortin to probably pass it closer to thirty. And then, what do you do at that point? Who becomes? If we agree, KJ's the best player on the field. Probably whoever you have at running back, as far as skill positions, might become your next best player at that point. So you lean more on Rocket Sanders. You lean more on Debenyon, which seems to become uh, seems to be coming the number two back. Then you got AJ Green, and we'll see what you know where DJ. But you got four pretty good backs there. I think. What you have to do at that point is figure out how to make the ground game work with those guys. What are your other options? Yeah, I wonder how Dominion is going to respond after that fumble that he had. Coach got asked by Drew after the game, hey, who's your number two back? Did you figure it out? And he said he kind of just gave him an answer of no. I mean, A.J. Green scored in that game. Dominique had a a good player, too. But Rocket's the guy, and then it's everyone else behind him at that point. But I like what you see. You want to lean on your your strength of the team, which is the running back group. 877-377-6963. Going to Mount Ida. Welcome in, Dakota. Morning, Dakota. Hey, guys. I hope y'all are having a good morning. I, I called a, a week or so ago, and, and I talked about Malik Hornsby. And I, I said, you know, we got to quit baby in the Malik. And I felt like we did last week. I felt like we didn't uh, put him in there for – for just thoughts and the, to keep him from transferring or whatever. You know, here's the deal. They brought Malik in. I think they wanted to use him as backup quarterback. They want him to develop. I don't think he has. You know, he's a great athlete. Somebody's going to have to tell him, you know, you fit the style of a free safety, uh, maybe a cornerback. Um, you know, and if he's not okay with that at this point, maybe it's time for him to try something else because at this point, that the whole Malik talk is hindering the team. And um, the second thing I just want to touch on is, is guys, you know, as Hog fans, we have high hopes every year. 
and that's a good thing. You know, I, I think we're going to be average in the SEC, and that's okay because there's been years we can't even compete in the SEC. And uh, just being realistic with it, I want to keep those high expectations. But uh, just looking at what we got, our defense is kind of average, and our offense is kind of average. Without KJ Saturday, uh, it can make for a long day. Y'all boys have a good one. Appreciate Thanks, it, Dakota. Thanks, Thanks. Nicole. I, I totally agree with, with your first take on – Hornsby, and, you know, we had a, a passionate conversation last week about this idea that he's got to play. Well, why? I mean, uh, you know, they gave, I, this coaching staff has clearly, from the outside looking in, given him every opportunity to get on the field, and he can't earn a spot. He can't earn the snaps. Football is a meritocracy. You get to play. You get to start. You earn snaps based on how you perform in practice and how effective you are in the games. And right now... Out of three or four wide receivers, he can't crack the top four, it appears. He's not the best quarterback on this team. In fact, it appears he's not even one of the best two at this point. So, I mean, the idea that he should play just because he's fast doesn't hold water with me. I mean, there's a lot of fast guys out here that don't don't play football. You know, a lot of fast guys, just because you run fast. I mean, to, to me, this coaching staff has been over backwards to find a way to get him involved and for whatever reason, it's not working out. So, seems to me, outside looking in, Ty, this coaching staff's done what they can do. Well, here's Sam Pittman yesterday on Malik's new role. Well, yeah. he's a quarterback. He's a quarterback as well. Certainly, the plan for him to play wide receiver has not been even what I thought it would be. But the plan is for him to play quarterback. That was his response to the question of what his role looks like. And again, these are questions under the presumption of if KJ can't go on Saturday, what that looks like. And like you said, just because he's the fastest player on, or been described as the fastest player on the team does not merit playing time. I just think they, they feel that if they have a weapon, which they consider him to be, they're trying to figure out how to use that said weapon. And to this point, it hasn't been effective like you're talking about. No, I mean, and, and listen, no one would love for it to be more than Kendall Browse and, and, uh, and Sam Pittman, but, just because you've been, you know, just because you've threatened to go on the portal or what, and I think we're reading all that. I think we're reading way too much into, uh, you know, that relationship, those deals. You know, I, I don't know that Sam Pittman's cutting deals on, hey, well, we're going to make sure we shoehorn you in here for three or four plays so you won't go on the portal. I, I think that's just a uh, an over assumption, overreaction by fans thinking that that's even what's going on. Um, you know, you'd like for Hornsby to work out. It'd be the team would be better if he could be on the field and be effective. But there's just no evidence to that to this point. Maybe that will change. Right now, I'm not hopeful about it. And I also wonder when he did enter the transfer portal, how coveted he was by some other teams. If there was a lot of calls, texts, hey, we'd like you to come see the campus. We'd we're interested in you, or if he didn't get a lot of feedback, that's something we'll never know. We're just basically having to guess on. At this point, Malik's not going to come out and tell us one way or another. But I think that's something else that plays into this whole equation we're talking about when when he did hit the portal. Yeah, so I mean, we'll. Uh, you know, I think this is just a conversation, I, and maybe the fans lose their infatuation with this as as you see Fortin play more. You know, honestly, do, does anyone want to see Cade Fortin on Saturday? Not in anything other than mop up duty. I mean, you you hope KJ's ready to go. I mean, that's what we're all hoping for, and. Maybe on Wednesday when Coach visits with the media again, he'll 
give us a little more of a clue and, and maybe give us some inf- some real information, but I kind of doubt we'll know anything till for, for sure concrete till Saturday morning. Got a text in here from Andrew in Mansville. It said, if KJ can't go, great running back, skilled position receivers, maybe it'll take away from the RPO focus and we'll see what our wide receivers can do in the passing game a little more. I still think there'll be a heavy focus on running the football this weekend, Andrew, if Kate Forden is your guy, but it'll be less of him running, I think, in these, and it'll be more, if it's an RPO, then he'll look to pass out of that action more than, than KJ would, where there's been times that he's just kind of taken off and run. Wouldn't it be interesting to be able to watch practice yesterday and today, figure out what's going on there and who's taking the snaps? Is it number one out there? And this is all uh, a little bit of a, you know, some coy gamesmanship going on, or is you know, is Fortin taking all the snaps and they're preparing to run this offense without K.J. Jefferson? Wouldn't that be interesting to be in practice and know what's going on there? Ty from Fayetteville's opinion is that Cade Fortin is trash. Well, Ty, you haven't watched him play. How do you man. know that? The What did he play, like 10, 15 plays in the Alabama game? And I have I thought he had some, some Kone's first chance he takes is a one-on-one matchup with Matt Landers and Kool-Aid McKinstry in the back of the end zone. It was his mm-hmm. first play of the game. He comes in, he doesn't shy away, and I I don't know if that was specifically at Kendall Bryles. That was his first read, but he was pretty gun-ho that initial play that he got in there. Uh, now, it could be different. That was a, a mop-up duty, essentially. You're, no chance you're going to win that football game. Maybe the bright lights are too much for him on Saturday, but I don't know, Ty, how you can have that opinion after seeing a handful of plays. He's saying, look at his stats as a backup at South Florida. You know, that, that if you look at stats from other places, I, I guess you can make a assumption about a guy, but some guys don't work out at one place and they work out at another. Now, he's moving up in classifications going from there to Arkansas, but Kendall Bryles has been pretty openly confident in what he has, and Sam Pittman seems to be as well. But he does have a a tough task ahead of him, assuming he plays on Saturday. I don't know how you could have much of an opinion either way. You think he's terrible? Tell me why. You think he's great? Tell me why. I I don't – how do you have any opinion on Cade Fortin other than the little bit you got preseason from the coaches? You know, maybe if you glean a little bit out of practice and the little bit we've gotten to see. But I don't know how as far as him being able to lead a team to a win in SEC play on the road, much less – and it's starting how you could know whether or not he can or can't yet. I I haven't seen enough. I don't know enough. I don't know how anyone outside of that football program would know enough to have a a based a, an opinion based in fact at this point. Other he's talking about that Jamie texting in said I'm, I'm going to back whoever Arkansas plays at quarterback. If K does play this week, he probably doesn't. It's probably not good for his mental stability seeing stuff on social media or fans saying, oh, this guy's trash, look at his backups. I mean, you want to give this guy some confidence heading into a hostile road environment on Saturday. I have no idea if he's good or not. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's great. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's trash. I'm just going to sit here and tell you I haven't seen much of him play, and it's a good opportunity for him to prove to some doubters wrong on Saturday. Well, he's like most of them up there, and I I don't think they're going to – measure their self-worth or their ability to play based on what social media is telling. If any of us do, we're all in trouble. But, uh, you know, the, the, the guy has never done it at this level from based on his career. Does that mean he can't? No. I mean, we, we just need to find out. The handful of plays, like I said, is four of ten passing. I don't know how many more run plays would, there was, but you're probably right. It was 15 or so total plays he was in, uh, maybe a few more. You know, that's not at a point in the game where – 
the game's in the balance or Alabama's, you know, running blitz at him and and you're seeing they're all Americans, you know, come after you. You know, Toa Toa's not trying to tear your head off or, or Anderson or Turner or any of those guys that were, were problematic for KJ. So we don't really know at this point what Cade Fortin can do and, you know, nothing with Cade, but I hope we don't find out on Saturday because I hope KJ's out there. Tyler and El Dorado said, I wonder who Ty from Fayetteville is. I bet he sucks too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what if, Ty, what if someone said you suck at your job and they didn't know anything about it? Yeah. That's a... Uh, that's a good point. Uh, Wyatt, All entitled to our opinion, no matter how wrong it is. Wyatt from P Ridge is wondering why we should believe in Cade Fortin as a backup quarterback from South Florida. What happened to her quarterback depth? Wyatt, I'm not What telling. happened to the backup quarterback being the most popular guy? What, ha- what happened to that? So. Wyatt, I would just tell you that I'm not saying you should believe in him one way or another. I just wouldn't instantly come out and say he, the guy's terrible. I, that's what just, I'm saying. This how do morning. you have an opinion, Ty? How, I mean, I'm not saying you. I'm just saying the 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 the, the plural. Uh, Proverbial. Have, you, I mean, yeah. we're getting all these texts with opinions about Cade Fortin, based on what? I mean, good or bad, based on what? I mean, I hope the kid, if he if he's forced to play, goes lights it up. I mean, that's what we all want. But how how do we know anything I, at this point? I think he just because he doesn't come in with the accolades that you see some backup quarterbacks. Case in point, uh, Jalen Milrow, who's a four-star kid out of Tady, Texas, who had offers all over the place. They look at recruiting rankings and stuff like that. that. That's what fans a lot of times will see. They look at small a small little... Snippet of stats and then the recruiting rankings. Is is Cade Fortin probably ever huddled up a collection of linemen, wide receivers, and running backs as good as what he has at Arkansas anywhere in his playing career? No, no. South Florida, North Carolina. No, I mean basketball. I mean, do you think he he's going to be a better quarterback with with ten better players around him? Of course, you know. So that would be the hope. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're not, then you're you're just not the guy. Let's hear what Robert thinks. Go ahead, Robert. Hey guys, real quick, uh, you know, be I hope he stays, and you know, but we don't know what he was told because you, there's two sides of that conversation on what he's saying. We don't know, and the other thing with your cowbell, someone's got to give it to you for it to mean something because that's their kind of their tradition down there. They get their cowbells given to them by a person that you know, yeah, kind of handed down, like inherited, aren't they, or yeah, something along down. that line? Yeah. 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 So, all right, guys. Thanks, Robert. So don't buy one is what you're saying. Hopefully I'll befriend a Mississippi State fan. We do have a place we're going to tailgate after our Arkansas game day show on Saturday. And I'm excited just to cross off another SEC list and see. Everyone always gives hype about the Grove and stuff. Vaught Hemingway is not loud at all. Davis Wade, according to Mike Irwin, just dominates Mm. the two Mississippi Yeah, they got them illegal noisemakers in there, you know. I don't know how that those haven't been disbanded from yeah, the, yeah well i mean the, the, the league's conference. kind of bent the rule for them and i mean listen you wouldn't want someone to write a rule that banned calling the hogs i mean that's that's kind of their calling the hogs so as long as they play by the quote rules i, I guess you you know you don't want to ban traditions but you know, that's an older stadium they've done a lot of work on i was reading in the no they, they that place opened in 1914 and um you know but it was always kind of considered one of the worst stadiums in the conference, but they've, they've done a lot to improve it over the last 10 or so years, it looks like. Jacob texted in. He says, what if Cade Ford comes in like Tyler Wilson 
against Auburn in 2010 and lights him up. We need to cheer him on. I will say there was probably not a huge collection outside of Greenwood, Arkansas, that Tyler Wilson that thought Tyler Wilson was going to mount to anything that game. Now you might have thought about the future and what he could be, but if I had to guess, when Ryan got that concussion after Nick Fairley pelted him to the ground and old Tyler Wilson trots up there at quarterback. None of you had any confidence that Arkansas was going to be able to stay in that game. And Tyler ripped that secondary apart. Now, well, is Cade going to be able to do that on Saturday? I have no idea if he plays. But just because a, a guy doesn't have a lot of playing experience or just because it's a tough situation doesn't mean an Arkansas quarterback can't come in there and sling it a little bit. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning $150,000 plus in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code HTL at NoHouseAdvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. NoHouseAdvantage.com, promo code HTL. You're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories. Who is the third best team in the Southeastern Conference, including the West and the East? 877-377-6963. I'm going to go first. And I felt this way all offseason when it came to the Tennessee Volunteers. Josh Apple is doing some good things down there. Now, they have some big games coming up. They go to Baton Rouge this weekend. They'll play Florida, excuse me, they'll play Alabama the following week. So they have a tough slate of games. They still have to go to Georgia as well, but they do get Alabama at home. We're going to find out a lot about Hendon Hooker in Death Valley, which to his luck, if you will, it's an early game. They don't have to play at night. I know he's probably happy about that, not having to go to Death Valley at night. But I think Tennessee is the third best team in the Southeastern Conference. I was all offseason going back between Tennessee and Arkansas. The Volunteers have shown me a lot to this point. I think that was a harder question. I don't want to give away too much about what we're getting ready to get into with our with our rankings, but that was a harder question to answer till Kentucky lost to Ole Miss. So I think Tennessee has you know established themselves clearly. They're not on the same level as Georgia and Bama until they prove otherwise, and they got a chance coming up with with Bama, and they got a chance with Georgia, obviously too. Um, but I think they clearly are third, and it's not, you know, it's not really debatable. The question really becomes later on. Uh, you know, four through about seven or so, I think, are pretty jumbled up right now. And you can make a case for a, a considerably different order with that group of teams like Ole Miss and State, Kentucky, and LSU that I think are kind of right now in that this week in a snapshot in that next tier. So, yeah, I agree. Tennessee's number three. I think maybe the more debatable question is, Who's the fourth best team in this league? We'll we'll talk about that coming up. William and Jonesboro, 
texting in saying that Ole Miss may have an argument for that. Ole Miss got a good win against Kentucky, but they still, outside of that Kentucky game, William, they haven't played anyone, and they're not playing anyone this week when they go to Nashville to take on Vanderbilt. Then they'll take on Auburn and Oxford. I mean, LSU in Baton in Baton Rouge, the 22nd, that's Arkansas's bye week. Maybe you'll find more about out about them there, but I just can't see a lot of tough, tough road ahead when you take on Vanderbilt and Nashville and Auburn and Oxford. Ole Miss's schedule sets up how it should. Now, Jackson Dart has looked pretty good so far this season. Some another quarterback that Arkansas is going to have to deal with at some point in time. All right, that's your Red River Dodge Morning Rush Daily Question. Red River Dodge in Haber Springs, Arkansas's number one Ram dealer. Log on at redriverdodge.com. Let's welcome in Bruce Stan of Pradco Fishing to the program. He's got some thoughts on Tommy's SEC power rankings as I do. Neither of us have seen him to this point. Oh, so you're Tommy, all chomping at the bit, aren't you, Bruce? We are. <laughs> Let's go, man. All right. We were we were debating there as you were coming into the show who, the, who is the number three team in the league. I'm going to tell you guys, this was the hardest one. I had about four drafts of this last night. I, I was, you know, I, I got started a little bit late and kind of putting it together. But, I, you know, it's kind of like a guy trying to find the right lead for his first column. Uh, Bruce, I, I wanted, wanted about four different versions up and started over. Georgia and Bama are easy one and two. Now, I don't think it's easy which one's one, which one's two. But no one else can really enter that debate. Unlike the polls, I have left Georgia at number one this week because, yes, they've had two sluggish wins, but they were wins. And they have only allowed 54 points, which is a conference low, by their opponents total this year. So I I think Georgia's played down to their opponents the last couple of weeks, but I think Georgia's still a really good football team. They played played way down Saturday. They did. They nearly lost. I mean, mean, they, they... when I looked up after the game, it was thirteen to nothing Missouri. I thought, what in the world is going on? Is that some kind of error? I mean, someone posts that score backwards. What, you know? But I'm going to leave Georgia at one. I think it's really close. You can make Bama one, and I, you know, I wouldn't argue. But I, I just think right now, when they haven't lost, and I know the polls went another way, Alabama. I don't know how much of a question there is with Bryce Young and his shoulder. I think it's probably similar to what we're talking about with KJ. A lot of people probably very hopefully he's going to play. They could easily be number one. They've allowed 55 points. So Georgia at 54, Bama at 55 with their opponents. Now think about that. Arkansas scored 26. So half of the points that Bama's allowed has, has been by the Razorbacks this last week. So that tells you they didn't give up much to that. So Georgia won, Bama two. We were just talking about who's the third team, Bruce. Tennessee is easily, to me, number three in this league right now until proven otherwise. Easily the best of the rest in the SEC. They get LSU this week. So, Georgia, Bama, Tennessee, one, two, three. Any issues with that? Well, I mean, just on the eye test, I'd probably flip Alabama. I think they played a lot better opponent at Arkansas. Georgia just really looks sluggish. I've always just, Bennett just always, I know he plays well in big games, quarterback for Georgia, but sometimes he just struggles. He struggles against Missouri. And I think Drinkwitz is coaching for his job, obviously, so they're desperate. But uh, they, they really played well. But, you know, that, that team that went over and just annihilated South Carolina, I kept wondering, is that is this a different team? Did they leave some people in uh, Athens? Just, it just didn't look good. But Alabama, I think the eye test is you take out the Heisman Trophy winner, and it was just business as usual. They ran the ball effectively. They gashed Arkansas. It really didn't matter uh, who the quarterback was. To me, that's just a sign of uh, 
an excellent football team. Tennessee's going to get to prove it. They, they got at LSU. Mm-hmm. They got uh, Alabama the next week. And then they got uh, a cream puff, and they got Kentucky and Georgia. We'll, we'll see where they stand in the next five weeks. Yeah, so, I mean – Georgia at one or Bam at one, I could go either way. I just left it the way it was because, you know, until proven otherwise, Georgia is undefeated, and we'll see. But they're almost 1-1A one one in, in my book. All right, fourth. How low do you think? Uh, between Georgia and Bama, I yeah. think I, I tend to agree with you. Bama got the bigger win. Georgia hasn't – these lads have been three straight weeks they've looked bad. Two. Um, two? Two. Yeah. I would probably just say Alabama just because you lose your Heisman Trophy winner – the guy that is the best quarterback in college football, and you still pummel Arkansas in the fourth quarter, that says a lot about your overall team. I would probably insert Alabama above Georgia, but I, it's yeah. not its not a wide margin by no, any I stretch. Mean, by imagine. any stretch. So, I mean, it, and honestly, leaving Georgia at one, just, you know, for me, doing this exercise creates a little more conversation with it. So, Tennessee at three. Now, four, five, six, seven. I This is where I struggle. This is why the paper kept getting crumpled up. One, two, three were easy for me last night. You got Ole Miss, you got Mississippi State, you got Kentucky and LSU in that group for me, kind of where we're at after, uh, you know, after week four, heading into week five here. So um, I got Ole Miss at four. Uh, Feels a little bit hypocritical for me uh, because their schedule hasn't been very good, but they had the best win beating Kentucky. Now you could also make the case Kentucky gave some of that game away with the turnovers, but you know, we, we will see. I got Ole Miss at four. I got State at five because I thought they had the best, the next most impressive win in the way they handled A&M. Can they do it two weeks in a row? We're going to find out with Mississippi State. They're four and one. They got a chance uh, to to do uh, to go to five and one for the first time since 98. or They hadn't been five and oh since 98. They haven't been four and one since 2015, I think it is, I read. So this is not something the State's used to in the, this kind of start that they've had. I dropped Kentucky to six after uh, after getting beat by Ole Miss. And I got LSU up to seven. I think we're all kind of sleeping a little bit on LSU right now. Uh, they still haven't beat a ranked team, though. That's why I put them at the back end of that group of four teams. They haven't beat a ranked team. They play Tennessee, obviously. And, you know, if LSU wins that game, we're going to think a lot differently of them. So, Bruce, you got any problem with four, five, six, seven, Ole uh, Miss, State, Kentucky, LSU in that order? No, I mean, I- Thanks so much happened Saturday. That's probably how I'd rank it. But I, I think Kentucky feels a lot like Arkansas did two weeks ago. Uh, just a bad taste in their mouth. They, they think, how did we lose that game? Three three turnovers on the last three possessions. You just I know they feel terrible because they probably should have beat Ole Miss. I don't think Ole Miss was better than them. But, you know, Ole Miss won another game. They, they've beaten some mediocre opponents in close games. And now they've beaten a really good opponent. In a close game, so they're five and zero, uh, and I guess you got to give it to them. Mississippi State, yeah, they beat Texas A and M. Uh, they needed to beat them, but I don't. I don't think we have a high impression like Tommy at the beginning of the year. Ty had Texas A and M as the third best team in the SEC at the beginning of the year. We're not forgetting that, and uh, I don't think they're anywhere near that. I'm glad based I was on how wrong. Played lately, I'm glad I was. You were wrong. wrong. Dead wrong. You were wrong. Uh, the second and LSU, you know, I know they're putting some games together, some wins together, but Auburn's terrible. I mean, Auburn gave that game to them. Their quarterback dropped the ball, and defensive end picked it up and ran it in. It, just, it was a terrible football game, kind of like the Missouri game the week before. I guess I guess I don't have a lie because I'm watching these terrible SEC <laughs> football games, but 
The no, I, I'm not going to argue with you, Tommy. Yeah. How you yeah. got him right? All right, so uh, just recapping here. Georgia 1, Bama 2, Tennessee 3, Ole Miss 4, Mississippi State, Arkansas's opponent this week. We have it 5, Kentucky 6, LSU 7. Then this next group of teams... Uh, kind of all even in my mind, but you got to. I put A and M ahead of Arkansas. They did win head to head. They're going to be three and three and dropping like a rock after they get pummeled by Bama. So I got A and M at eight, Arkansas at nine. I mean, let's just Arkansas's trending down these last couple of weeks. Defense is a problem. Got questions at quarterback right now. I you know hopefully that's not as big a deal, but a chance to to me to move up a couple of slots if they can go on the road and win at Starkville. So uh, I got Arkansas at nine and then Florida at ten. So. A&M, Arkansas, Florida, 8, 9, and 10. Well, that hurts saying that, doesn't it? Down to 9. Well, I mean, I mean, just, I mean if this is going to be a fair and objective process here, I mean, that's where they're at right now after the last two weeks. They you know, they, they, they started counterpunching in the third quarter, late third quarter and early fourth against Bama, but it was a little too late. And, uh, you know, that's, tell me right now how they're better than the eight teams uh, ahead of them. They lost well, A&M. I mean, they, you know, I mean, they lost to Bama. Do you think they could beat Georgia or Tennessee? We're going to find out in Mississippi State. <laughs> I, I just That's how I look at it. Could they beat this team that's ahead of them? Right now, I'd say the teams ahead of them would probably beat Arkansas today. It, it is what it is, but you lost to a team you should have beat. You felt like you should have mm-hmm. beat them. The number one team in the country came in here. and yeah, It was a five-point game in the fourth quarter. Uh, but, yeah, you can't argue. I mean, where, where they are in the – Standing, it's hard to argue with that. Until the records are are much different, you know, AM's you know just slightly ahead of the rest. I think they're I think they're even. I think Arkansas may be better, but that's that's kind of where it where it's at right now. Then the bottom four, a little little bit of a mix up here. South Carolina is still eleven. I moved Missouri up in the loss after Georgia to twelve. Vanderbilt at thirteen, and Auburn is the worst team in the league in my opinion. Even though they're three and two, I got uh, that to be the bottom four: Carolina, Missouri, Vanderbilt, Auburn, the last four in the league. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Missouri, again, all these games, teams feel like they should have won. Maybe this is a 26-yard field goal with the buzzer, and then uh, they fumbled one through the end zone in overtime that would have won it. So they really beat Auburn. They didn't on the scoreboard. So I, I have no problem with Auburn being ranked last. Uh, I think everybody's checking when we play in Auburn because the way they're playing right now, that's probably – a closer thing to a win and playing Vanderbilt right now. October 29th. That's uh, Halloween weekend. And, and won there since 2012. Bruce, you'd love to beat him this year. Yeah, those back four, Tommy, don't have a huge issue. I tend to agree with Bruce. Missouri won that football game. They just they couldn't execute. I know Drinkwitz would love to have that game back. Auburn's terrible. Vanderbilt's not any good either. Now they had some decent wins to start out their season. But yeah, those back four don't really have an issue. And and I kind of, kind of to Bruce's point earlier, a night is unfortunately where Arkansas probably deserves to be right now. They're yeah. turning in the wrong direction. Hopefully they can get back up after this weekend against Mississippi State. So you got Georgia Auburn in the early uh, CBS game, and then you got AM and Alabama, the game everybody circled that I don't think has been good. I think the best game, or perhaps one of the best games of the weekend, Bruce, will be Tennessee LSU. And a game that probably should have gotten a better slot than what they're ended up with, but. It's where it's at. What, what do you think will happen uh, down to the bayou this week? Well, just based on, again, watching uh, LSU's first game they lost and then uh, didn't execute the extra point and then uh, watching that terrible game at Auburn, I, I feel good that Tennessee can score. 
and and I don't think LSU is uh, scaring anyone offensively. I mean, obviously Tennessee should go down there and beat them. Uh, but college football players, hopefully on the bye week, they're not thinking about Alabama and they're skipping a step and going down uh, to Death Valley. So that's that's the only thing that's kind of in the back of my mind. You got a huge game that all the alumni, and everybody, all the just everybody in Tennessee is thinking about, like Arkansas had been about Alabama. Uh, you can't forget to play that game before, kind of like Arkansas did, and uh, you got to execute. You can't turn the ball over. You just got to go down and take care of business, and then you'll you'll have a two thirty game on CBS with two undefeated teams, probably both ranked the top five. But you got to take care of business before you get there. How big? How big a break is it for Tennessee for that game to be at eleven, guys? Huge, huge. You don't. It's huge. I and I. I don't. Th- this might be a little bit of a reach. But Bruce, I would if if I was you, I would not feel good if that game was at six o'clock at night. But since no. it, it since it's at eleven, I mean, weird things happen in that stadium when you play a night game in Death Valley, where dreams go to die, as Les Miles used to say. That is the of any college football venue, and I love Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium. That has the most negative impact of is any visiting team in the country. I don't think it's even a debate. Well, I, I think that. Everybody's been making a big deal about the oldest uh, rivalry in the South, Georgia and Auburn. There's obviously some Tennessee people making these network decisions because they didn't want the balls playing at night uh, down at uh, LSU. <laughs> CBS has two games, and the, fir- the first three games of the day are going to be awesome. you got Tennessee, LSU, Arkansas, Mississippi State. And I think that Missouri-Florida game is going to be a great game, but the last mm-hmm. four, I don't even know if they're going to be worth watching, but the, the the, the SEC just based on watchability. The better games are, are really LSU, Tennessee, and Mississippi State, Arkansas. Uh, you're right. Tennessee and, and LSU are right after College Game Day on ESPN. We know the uh, the Razorbacks play State on the SEC Network, and that Missouri at Florida game uh, will be on ESPNU. Those uh, all kick off at 11 a.m. Central Time. So you're right. That early wave is good, and I think we're all starting to realize there are good games that start early. I think Auburn, Georgia. I mean. We forget, you know, we, we're we removed so far from it that we forget how big a rivalry that is. We think about Georgia-Florida. We think about when Georgia and Bama get to play, about the, 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 the consequences of that game when they played in the regular season. This is an old rivalry, and maybe Georgia's, you know, played a little dull the last two weeks knowing that, hey, this is a game that matters to the fan base at, uh, at, at Georgia and matters to this team. And they're going to be yeah, I mean, this week. That's a good statement. I don't really think so. I just I don't think I don't think there's a lot of respect for Auburn right now in Georgia's locker room or anyone else's locker room. I I think Georgia's uh, thinking about Alabama and the SEC championship game. And so why have they been sluggish the last two weeks? Why why against Kent State, well, you can't Missouri? Get up for everybody, yeah. you can't get up for everybody. Hey, let's just call it what it is. Drinkwitz is coaching for his job, and mm-hmm. if your locker room believes in you. Uh, you're going to rally them, and you're going to get your best effort. Is a road game, it's a long road game from Athens to Columbia, uh, Missouri. So you know you're always going to have those one-offs in the SEC. I mean, look look at Alabama and Texas. I mean, do those resemble? Do either does either team resemble that game right now? Uh, you're just you don't want to be a victim of the one-off, kind of like Arkansas and Texas A&M when you're trying to accomplish bigger and better things because it'll. It'll trip you up and mess up your season. It's probably the most low-energy 
venue in the conference, and and that includes Vanderbilt, because at least at Vanderbilt, the visiting fans go. Yeah, yeah. At least there's some energy yeah. in there because the the fans from the other team will show up because it's Nashville. No one makes a plan to go to Columbia, Missouri. It's hard to get to. But, you can't really fly in there direct. You got to go to Kansas City or St. Louis and and drive over. I mean, it's probably the the sleepiest atmosphere in the conference. It, it has to be. And, and Tennessee fans are already planning a checkerboard for the Vanderbilt game. I mean, who who plans to take over uh, the opposing team stadium with a checkerboard? That's how apathetic Vanderbilt fans are. But you know, at least there's an environment, like you said, because there's the opposing team there. Yeah. Columbia is just it's tough because it's so far away. It's not a destination. Missouri fans don't care, especially right now. So it's just kind of a blah deal. South Carolina is at Kentucky. Kentucky, we know, is coming off the the loss to Ole Miss. Uh, South Carolina needs to win this game, or they drop to zero and three in the league. What do you think happens in this game? That's set for uh, six thirty on the SEC Network Saturday night. Well, night game, Kentucky. I think they're going to rebound. Stoops is going to get their heads back on straight. I, I just expect they'll grind up South Carolina. I don't, I don't, I don't really, uh, I don't see a positive outcome for South Carolina in this game. And A and M, A and M, Bama. Any any chance A and M without Smith and I Smith? Any chance, even if Bama doesn't have Bryce Young, that they could uh, could make this a ball game in Tuscaloosa? I'm not. I'm not thinking so. Ty, are you? No, I've I've been on the train that this is going to be a blowout all season long, and even without Bryce Young, potentially, I think that they're going to get that. They're interesting stat about this game. So A and M is a twenty four and a half point underdog of one hundred and sixty plus games Jimbo's coached in, highest underdog he's Ooh. ever been as a head coach. Wow, you know, here's the thing: we always talk about this is the time Alabama is going to beat. Alabama's got a gauntlet. And- you know, after what you watched in the fourth quarter Saturday, you're just kind of thinking, I, I don't know if anybody's going to get up there and stop them. Yeah. You're, you're already kind of giving up, thinking, I don't think anybody's going to beat them. Well, I, I still am pre- feel pretty good about what Tennessee could offer them. They're not going to – I don't think Alabama would beat Tennessee if Bryce Young's not in there. I think Tennessee would be able to do enough against Jalen Milrow to win that football game. Now, Bryce Young's in there. I think it's going to be a heck of a game, him and Hooker slinging it all over the field. But that would be the team that if you're going to point to it. I think Ole Miss is kind of starting to show you that their offense, and I think they have the best outing against Kentucky, but I think Jackson Dart's starting to come into his own a little bit, and maybe they could challenge him. I don't, I don't know how I feel about LSU being able to give – Nick Saban a run for their money this year, though, in, in year one under Brian Kelly. Yeah, so it, it's fun games, and I think now everybody's kind of leapfrogging the A&M-Alabama game and looking forward to uh, the Alabama-Tennessee, which will have the most meaning it's had in a, in a long, long time. All right, we... At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can 
get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pascal have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pascal protection plan. Call the pros at Pascal and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas-owned. Arkansas-operated. GoPascal.com. Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Tom, as always, good morning. Thanks for joining us on a Tuesday. I do want to talk about KJ Jefferson coming up in just a bit, but uh, your initial thoughts. I, had, I thought you had a really good column following the Alabama. What, what was the title of Tom's column? Chuck said it yesterday. It's like dynasties are hard to kill, something of that nature. Uh, just kind of your initial thoughts on the Alabama loss this weekend, Tom. Yeah, good morning, everybody. Um, well, I think the lead was dynasties don't die easy, and I guess it was a reference to the fact that, you know, Arkansas had all this momentum from the big comeback, and, you know, it was 28-23, to 23 and you felt like, wow, you know, they've got a chance here. And I do wish that the officials had seen the blatant uh, hands to the face because it would have been a half the distance, would have created a third and 25. It was on the Jalen Milrow 77-yard run. And if they don't convert that and Arkansas gets the ball back, who knows how the rest of that game goes? But anyway, um, look, we all knew this was going to be a brutal five-game stretch. There are two games into it, 40% in, and they're 0-2. Should be 1-1, one one, but they're 0-2. And, uh, you know, they've got, they've got the injury issues, you know, that with KJ and, and, and his secondary. So they're going to really have to dig deep to come up with a game plan to slow Mississippi State. And then, you know, it, it's, it's still tough. At BYU, open day at Auburn. That, that's that's the brutal of five game stretch as probably anybody in the country plays this year. Yeah, Tommy, we were analyzing the numbers earlier. Arkansas gave up 225 yards on three plays with those that run you mentioned with Milro, two for yeah. Gibbs. Uh, that's seventy percent of the rushing yards from from Bama. It was forty percent of the total offense of five hundred and fifty five yards. I know this seems like a repeat question, but how do you stop those big gashing plays that uh, really gutted Arkansas's efforts to complete the comeback? Yeah, those are tough. I mean, Arkansas had really kind of sealed Gibbs up through three quarters. At at that stage, when the fourth quarter opened, the rushing was like 90 yards or 80 yards difference. I think Arkansas had, oh, I wrote about it today. They had, Arkansas had maybe 155 and, Alabama had about 65, something like that. And then, you know, then they went off. The Milrow play and then the two Gibbs. Um, I can't tell you who didn't fit their gap, but clearly the second and the third levels, you know, they didn't have guys that had good angles. Um, however Alabama schemed it up or however their wide receivers blocked, there weren't safeties, you know, right there to, to clean things up. And, you know, that's where it hurts not having cattle on. 
and honestly, you know, you could tell Brini has been slowed. Slusher was slowed in that game. They they were just dinged up. And even though that was a pretty deep position to open the season, it's it's kind of being exposed now. Um, and they got to keep recruiting speed back there. And you know, maybe guys like Anthony Brown and Jalen Lewis can come on and in the coming years and provide that speed and and knowledge. But um, um, but it that was the biggest impact of the game with those three run plays that it turned everything around. I mean, it, it, it separated in the game and, and Alabama just kept, kept pushing on the ground until they finally broke through. It seemed like consistently they'd, they'd get the, the line moving left or moving right. And then the, the back would consistently find a cutback lane and and yeah. find that first down. I mean, those three big runs, it wasn't missed tackles, it was just no tackles. I mean, just didn't hardly get a hand yeah. on Gibbs those two times. So it just seemed like there was always a, a misdirection or a redirected crease that, that, that those backs could find. Absolutely. And, and, I mean, that's that's part of the scheme. If you block it up right, you know, if it, then apparently, you know, if you block it up right, then you've got a back that maybe has to get by one safety or, or get by the nickel or something like that. And, with Gibbs' speed, um, you know, really, they contained Gibbs' speed for the better part of three quarters. And then in one quarter, uh, he had the, the cutback lanes and just the, the, the free access into the second and third levels, and his speed made them pay. Talking with Tom Murphy this morning. Tom, Mississippi State doesn't have the best rushing stats this year, but they did run the ball better against A&M. What do you think Mike Leach is going to be able to learn from what Alabama was able to do in that fourth quarter? Well, I mean, they have to do it within their own schemes, obviously. But um, Arkansas's depleted secondary is, you know, it's out there. It's on tape. And that plays right into Mississippi State's hands in terms of running their backs out on the edges, um, uh, running stuff underneath, and throwing to everybody everywhere. They'll, they'll throw deep, too. I mean, when they had to do the, the big comeback late last year, they got some deep throws on, too. So um, Arkansas, as, as Sam Pittman put put it, close the air down, you know, like get closer to the, the ball catcher to get them on the ground. Um, I like Dylan Johnson and Jaquavius Mark. I think those are both two really good backs. And I think Mark's hurt them some last year, and, and the kid Jaden Whaley hurt them, but he's way down in their receptions this year. So – the depth of their receiving core is phenomenal. It's Will Rogers is completely comfortable in that scheme, uh, completing seventy something percent of his passes. This is a super super dangerous uh, offensive opponent for Arkansas. Arkansas is two and zero against Mike Leach under Sam Pittman. I know that Will Rogers would love to to get back at them for how the game ended up last season. What kind of what kind of atmosphere is Arkansas walking into to Starkville at eleven o'clock? Well. Um, the cowbells, which, you know, they're illegal in the SEC. They're artificial noisemakers, and so they're not supposed to be used. <laughs> but they give an exception to Mississippi State for some reason. And I know you can argue that, oh, the fans are observant to the rules. They stop ringing. But, you know, honestly, it, it impedes your communication between plays and all that kind of stuff. And I wish, th- I wish the SEC would crack down and allow no artificial noisemakers in the stadiums. It's going to be a tough atmosphere. Mississippi State's feeling it. You know, in the West, it's unrelenting. Um, Arkansas still has to play State and Ole Miss and Auburn and LSU, and it's it's brutal. 
Um, and we all knew this was going to be a very, very tough schedule. Um, this was a game, I think, that was a swing game from the word go. I think circumstances have now proved that Mississippi State has, a, has an edge in being at home, being with Arkansas's injuries. And so um, it's going to be tough. Uh, they, they use the double cloud coverage to great uh, um, purposes against K.J. Costello in the game two years ago. And quite frankly, Mike Leach got a little bit greedy um, in the fourth quarter when they had a chances to kick a field goal, you know, and they didn't do it. They went on fourth down, and Arkansas stopped them both times. Um, then last year, they got it going a little bit better. And so right now, I would say Mike Leach has a pretty good feel for how to attack the drop eight coverage. You know Arkansas is going to use that some, but they also have to do some man, and that's where they've been struggling to keep guys, you know, on, on a leash, so to speak, in man coverage. And so you can bet Mississippi State's arsenal is going to include how to attack both. Mississippi State off to the four and one start, their best since two thousand when they were four and one, ended up eight and four that year. Getting to five and one for state this week would be the first time they've done that since ninety eight when they went on to the SEC championship game. How impressed should we be with the teams that Mississippi State has beaten? What what's your real evaluation where state's at after five games considering the opponents? Yeah, and I didn't realize that stat about five first time five and one since ninety eight if they win. So yeah, if you know, win. this is this is kind of the Mike Leach MO. He gets in somewhere, he kind of gets his culture going, and two or three years in, they start winning on a really consistent level. Um I think it's I think they have every right to believe that, you know, they're right there, you know, pushing for next tier like Arkansas did last year, next tier behind Alabama. Um, the road loss at LSU, I haven't seen it in detail to know what LSU did to slow them down. Uh, obviously tackled well and all that kind of stuff. Um, going on the road and winning in Arizona, that was a handy margin of victory. Uh, then, then you got Bowling Green, and then it, it was an impressive defensive showing against uh, Texas A&M last week. So, I mean, they're a very legit team, and they have good special teams. Yeah, states uh, also. I was looking at their percentages here in the in the note package. They run the ball about a third of a time, which is really up for Mike a Mike Leach mm-hmm. team, and that's that's something. And now I think they were playing from the lead last week, obviously against A and M, and that skews the numbers a bit. But this is a team that statistically, Tom, is at least running the ball more than a Mike Leach team has in the past. That's right, and I think they understand that as they improve as a program. Uh, if there, there's some leads they have late in games, you don't necessarily want to throw incomplete passes late in the game and kill clock for your opponent. And so you've got to be able to run it. And that's, like I said, I like Marks and Johnson. They're two top backs. Um, they probably ran it a good bit in the Bowling Green game. I mean, it has to be important for them. And you have to have some semblance of balance, even though parts of their pass game are like runs, extended run plays with those little swing passes and stuff. Little dinky. So, um, Arkansas has got to defend the whole schmear in this game. To put it in perspective, though, they're still getting 93 yards a game. So, I mean, on the <laughs> ground. So, let's not act like this is Alabama because they're not. But um, they are just, you know, for, for a Mike Leach team doing a little bit more with it, Ty. Yeah, yeah they, they are. And um, it's they've got, a, they've got a good scheme. And I think on the other side of the ball, you know, KJ or whoever's at quarterback, they have got to be really, really in sync with their wideouts on hot reads, what the routes are going to be, how they're going to cut things off, you know, back shoulder throws, you know, turn turn um, uh, routes into slants or whatever. 
because Zach Arnett is running a lot of blitzes and, and sometimes some total blitzes where they're sending more guys than you can block and you have to go to the hot route. So it's going to be incumbent on them this week to really hone in on what are my reads and where do I go with the ball and get a sense for where the, the pressure's coming and what your relief valves are. Tom, if K.J. Jefferson can't go, how do you think Saturday's going to shake out with the quarterback situation of Cade Fordon and Malik Hornsby? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I do believe that K.J., when you look at the hit, or the, his helmet hitting the ground, it wasn't that violent. I don't know his complete background on uh, concussion-type injuries, and so I do believe it's going to be wait and see to, through the week. Um, now, um, on the other two guys, I think it would be very, very wise, all the stuff you've had from Malik Hornsby, that you practice it well this week. So you can give them, uh, um, you can give them different, uh, you can give them the drop back, you can roll out some with Horton and Hornsby, but don't, don't forget, when Hornsby was in at quarterback in various games, he got to the edge against Penn State when they were a tired defense, and, and he ran, he just ran by them. And uh, if they block things up and they can get Hornsby on the edge, um, there's a chance they can move the ball. And so I think there'll be good packages for, for both those guys because while KJ's in his situation, those guys have got to get reps. And so um, it's, it's important to have some diversity in what you do to make Mississippi State have to adjust in-game. Tom, what should Arkansas fans know about Cade Fortin? Um, well, apparently he won the second-team job several weeks ago, and we've seen him run second team on some of their fastball starts. Um, his numbers before he got to Arkansas were basically 50% completions. I don't know the deep background on what teams he played against at North Carolina, but he had several games. I think it was his freshman year at North Carolina, and then he, he played in games at South Florida as well. Um, so I'll, I'm going to do a deeper dive into the teams he actually accrued those numbers against. But, you know, higher higher INTs and, and TDs at this point in his career. But they've liked him since he got in there. Um, he's done well in two-minute drives. And um, I'm, I don't think it's going to be um, like just total scramble mode. You know, you saw his second series against Alabama. No matter who was in there on defense, they were good. Um, he, moved, he moved the ball. They went 40-something yards and – you know, I think if Jaden Hazelwood cuts up that last fourth down, they probably convert there, and they're in goal to go. So, you know, I, I, I think he would be a capable guy. He's just going to have to deal with, if he plays, he's going to have to deal with a lot of this blitzing pressure and the, the crowd noise, and, and sometimes that can rattle a quarterback. So what's your reporter's intuition tell you about K.J. and the situation and who plays this Saturday to start the game for Arkansas? It's, it's really what, what Sam Pittman said. It's wait and see. Um, he didn't say it, but hey, he hit his head. And um, as Sam Pittman said yesterday, he has symptoms, okay? So that means you just get tested, right, every day during the week. And if you, if you meet them, uh, then, then you can be cleared. If you don't, I, I just think right now everybody's um, going to be on basically high alert because of the very recent Tua situation. Um, and you want you want your players to be, you know, fully, you know, ready to go. Uh, we know it's it's yeah, it's a violent sport. 
when I played, I, I probably had two concussions, and that was back when we didn't know what they were. Got knocked out one time at Rising, and, you know, it's all about, oh, you know, back then it was how tough are you? You know, go back in there. You just got your bell wrong. Well, now they know that's not the way you do it. Yeah. And so I'm, I think they'll just be judicious. It's one game, and K.J. Jefferson's health is is a lot more important than one game. Absolutely. It, you know, if he, if he has the symptoms as Coach laid out yesterday, can he practice? If he can't practice, what's this offense practicing on without K.J. there? I would think the offense would look, you know, not completely different, but somewhat different. They're not going to run as much of the RPO, I would think. So where does that leave your team in preparation for a game Saturday? I I don't believe KJ couldn't play the game without practicing all week, but what's that do for your offense heading into a game if you practice one set of plays and one quarterback and one style all week and you do something different on Saturday? That it makes me wonder what's the week leading up going to look like if you if you are able to play KJ on Saturday. Yeah, that's absolutely true, Tommy. And 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 as Sam said yesterday, Wednesday is the cutoff day, and I don't know if we'll hear if he practices Wednesday or not. Um, Wednesday is a close practice to the media um and so uh, you know we'll just we'll just have to see i don't think the rpo game is completely out of the question if Cade fortin is the quarterback because he had a nice run last week and he has decent running numbers so um you know there are tailored things for each of those three quarterbacks and these are smart coaches they're going to scheme up mississippi state and they're going to give their players a chance to have a you know chance for success whoever's in the game but none of us are going to believe that if kj can't practice by wednesday but he's able able to play on saturday he's not playing right none of us believe that right yeah i think you know let's just say he's cleared on say a thursday you know first of all how does he feel what does he mm-hmm. think that's the mo- that's the important thing and then you make your decision there but we know he's a gamer i mean look KJ's had a couple of ball security things this year, but think of where Arkansas football would be. I mean, they went nine and four last year largely because of him. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, great kid. I, I hope he's feeling good. Tom, we'll leave it there, man. Get some more insight on Mississippi State on Thursday, and uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. Sounds good. See y'all. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.